Pastor Xavier Reese and the danger of religion here on today's Simple Truths. People always say, well, at least he's religious. It's worse. It goes away from God. Never forget this. Religion is a step away from God. It's not a step towards God. Religion is a step away from God. It corrupts the image of God and the revelation of God to man's imagination. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. During the Exodus, Moses led the Israelites out of over 400 years of bondage. But when things got tough, their first inclination was to head back into slavery. This phenomena was no stranger to the church. In fact, Paul had to remind one church of the danger of heading back to a life of spiritual slavery. Let's join Pastor Xavier as he offers hope and help to the true path to freedom. Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. The message is entitled, Sons of Freedom or Slaves of Bondage. The Galatians had acted like unappreciative heirs who were willing to throw away the riches of their inheritance as sons of Abraham in order to be slaves of the law. Therefore, Paul, in these first 11 verses of chapter 4, points out to them the difference between an heir of the law and an heir of grace by declaring three truths to them. First of all, the inferior position of an heir under the law. Secondly, the superior position of an heir under grace. And then finally, the inferior regression of an heir under grace to law. So notice first, the explanation of inferiority is given to us in verse 1 and 2. First, the heir under law was a minor, Paul says. The word child is a child under age, a minor in contrast to an adult child. Notice also that the heir under law did not differ at all from a slave. Both of them were identical in terms that they couldn't make certain decisions. They couldn't exercise certain power. Both were under others' control. In verse 3, he says, Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. The Jews who were heirs under law were minor children spiritually. He makes the application, Even so we. What is the theme we've been following? Who are the deceivers? Judaizers. What are they teaching? They want to bring them into Judaism, right? Paul says, even so, we. Who's we? Me. I used to be a Jew. I'm still a Jew. But now I'm a completed Jew. I believe in Christ. But even so, we. We who were Jews prior to the coming of Christ, who were under the law, we were what? Spiritual children. Minors. We weren't adult. The law could never make you an adult in comparison to the new. This is the illustration. Here's a comparison. The Jews were kept under guard by the law. He's already told us that in chapter 3, verse 23, right? The law was a tutor to bring them to Christ, verse 24 and 25 of chapter 3. But secondly, he says that the Jews who were heirs under law were in bondage under the law in verse 3 here. 
They were in bondage under, what does he say? The elements of the world. Mark that well. The word element is a military word that means a row, a rank, or a series of things, referring to the basic principles such as the ABCs of the alphabet. Now, you would have to agree with me that because you know the alphabet doesn't mean that you can write. Yet, if you know how to write, the alphabet is the basic principles for writing. Because you know certain words in a language doesn't mean you can write a sentence. Those sentences are made of words. And this is the idea. The inferiority of an heir under the law was so because of its temporalness and preparatory nature behind it. It would be much like a woman who is pregnant. And she finds out that she's conceived. From the first second that she's conceived to the day that that baby is born, that's the ABCs. She goes into the hospital, has that baby. You've got the fulfillment. Now, the pregnant period is necessary, it's the ABCs, but the product is the baby. The ABCs was the law, but the product was Christ. And he's putting them side by side. Now, sometimes people in the church get caught up with legalism of self-righteousness and begin to emphasize certain things as marks of true righteousness or true spirituality, much like the Galatians. They get sucked in by people who have been caught up in this snare. Some begin to impose a diet of vegetables rather than meat as a sign of being more spiritual. You want to eat vegetables? Have at it. You want meat? Pray over it. If it's going to stumble somebody, put it away till they leave. But be careful you don't make your standard the standard of the Word of God. If it is by choice of health or a mere choice without attaching any spiritual superiority, then it doesn't mean they are spiritually weaker or immature. So in other words, if you decide, I'm not going to eat meat, I, I eat once in a great while, but, and I've even gotten away from it. And you do because you just don't want to or because you know it's healthy, you're fine. But if you start teaching that all Christians should do it because it's healthier and you turn to Daniel and everything else, you're wrong. God says, pray over it, eat it, and you'll die right on time. <laughs> That's what he's saying, Okay. He moves on to the second truth, the superior position of an heir under grace, verses 4 through 7. Now, superiority in that having a relationship to the law, it is what? The fulfillment of the law. Notice first in verse 4 and 5, the explanation of superiority is given to us again. First, the explanation. In verse 4, the heir under grace and God's plan. The plan of grace stands in sharp contrast to the law. Then notice secondly the phrase, the fullness of time. It is another contrast to the temporary time of the law. It's over. Paul is signifying the set and appointed time by God in man's history for the new covenant of grace and the proclamation of the gospel to appear. The fullness of time. And so the phrase also, notice, God sent forth his son. It marks the son's commission. The phrase sent forth means one 
out of one who sends another with a commission. The son was sent by the father. And then the phrase born of woman under the law refers to his humanity and the method. Born of a woman simply refers to the physical human birth. He was born through a woman, fully human. But then the phrase under the law reveals his mission. To fulfill the law through what? Perfect obedience. The scriptures are clear that he was born of a woman under the law, yet without sin. Hebrews 7, 26 to 27. Without sin nature. Notice also the air under grace and God's purpose is given to us in verse 5. First, to redeem those who were under the law. And you're familiar with that word redeem. It means to buy out from the slave market in view of his freedom. We were bought out of the slave market, not to be slaves of God, to be sons of God as we're going to see. Yet as sons of God, we consider ourselves slaves of God. There's a difference. There's a difference to be bought out as a slave to be a slave than to be bought out to be a son. And because you're so grateful, you'll gladly be a slave for the one who bought you. The difference is free will. So first of all, to redeem those who were under the law, but secondly, watch, to receive the adoptions as sons. And the word adoption means the placing of a son. The word was used in Roman civilization and the law to give the place of a legitimate son to one to whom it did not naturally belong. So a father could have maybe four sons. And yet, one of them could be the rightful heir, or all of them could. But if he chose not to, he could go out and adopt, using this word, one who is not biologically related to him. And he could adopt him, and he would be considered as a blood-born son, and he would be the heir if he's so designated. This is the word. This is the word right here. He's made us sons. You and I have been adopted. Now, as in the first point, he gave the explanation first. Now look at the application again. The application of superiority is found in verse 6 through 7. He says, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer slaves, but sons. And if sons, then heirs of God through Christ. So here's the first thing in the application. The heir under grace is an adult son, not a minor or slave as those under the law. Real simple. And again, the word son is huos, an adult son, found four times in verse 6 and 7. You're an adult son now. Why? You're not under law. You're under grace. Notice secondly, still in verse 6, the heir under grace has received the Holy Spirit of God's son in his heart. Where? In the heart, not the head. The word heart is the word cardio. And it speaks of man's entire personality, the intellect, the emotion, and the will. Without God's spirit, man's heart is deceitful, desperately wicked above all things, and every sort of evil comes out of the heart, fornications, adultery, everything else, Jeremiah 79, Matthew 15, 19. With God's spirit, man is able to keep his heart with all diligence, for out of it springs forth the issues of life, Proverbs 4, 23. So I bring my emotions under. I bring my thoughts in captivity. And I say, Lord, what do you want? Lord, is this, Lord, help me to depend upon you. Lord, I don't want to do that. Lord, I just thank you for your word. And I walk in the spirit. 
and I deny myself and I crucify my funky flesh. <laughs> Say no to yourself once in a while. Probably be good for you. Notice he calls him the spirit of his son. He calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of his son. He is called the spirit of Christ. He is called the eternal spirit in Hebrews 9, 14, Romans 8, 9, and 10. In verse 6, you have the entire trinity. God, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus said, the Father would abide in you, I will abide in you, and the Holy Spirit will abide in you. It's a pretty crowded place in there. All the trinities involved in salvation. Now notice thirdly in verse 6 still. The heir under grace has received a new and superior relationship crying what? Abba, Father. And the word Abba, as you know, is the Aramaic word. It's a very endearing term called Daddy. It's a term of endearment, affection, relationship. And it's a favorite of Paul's. Jesus used it in prayer regarding the Father in Mark 14, 36. Paul says, For you did not receive the spirit of adoption to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Romans 8, 15. Notice, fourthly, the heir under grace is an heir of God. Real simple. How? Two words. Through Christ. To the Romans, he said, that through the person of Jesus Christ, we are what? Joint heirs. Romans 8, 17. Joint heirs. Equal heirs. According to the promise, as he said in Galatians 3, 29. Not works, not law, but faith and grace. In a splendid book of anecdotes entitled Bible Windows, Ivor Powell tells a story of a rich man who died and left no heirs. When his household goods were auctioned off, an elderly lady dressed in shabby garments was the only one uh, who came to bid on the picture of the dead man's son. It had been greatly cherished by the wealthy father because his only child had died at an early age. But the crowd that had gathered for the sale showed no interest in it at all. When the woman who bought the portrait was asked why she bought it, she said she had been the boy's nurse many years before and had loved him dearly. Later, she examined the picture closely and noticed a bulge in the heavy paper on the back. Making a small cut, she removed an envelope which turned out to be the man's missing will. The document very clearly stated that he wanted to leave his property to the person who still held dear the memory of his beloved son. If the covenant of grace had not been given to Abraham, there would still be a wall of separation between Jew and Gentile, and all would be lost apart from the Jews who were given the promise, Ephesians 2.14 says. But that wall has been removed. There's no distinction anymore. Christ has broken it down. God did not redeem us by winking at our sin or going through mere religious motions. But he did by sending the Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to condemn sin in the flesh, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, Romans 8, 3, and 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says. He paid the price. It cost him his son. The deposit of God's guarantee and sincerity to each of us is what? His Holy Spirit. He has given a deposit on your behalf. The Holy Spirit is a deposit. A deposit is something that's given in good trust that you're going to come back and buy it and pay the rest. He's coming. 
the position of an heir under grace was superior. There was no comparison. But lastly, he says the inferior regression of an heir under grace to law was inferior. It was inferior. Verses 8 through 11. Regression is always inferior and progression is always superior. Notice, first of all, in verse 8, we get the Galatians' life in the past. But then, indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not God's. The Galatians did not know God. They were in spiritual ignorance. You remember at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas were taken for gods, Jupiter and Mercury, in Acts 14, 8 through 12. The gods have come down. Let's sacrifice to them. The priest was ready to sacrifice in verse 13 of chapter 14 of Acts. Their ignorance was proclaimed in verses 14 through 16 as Paul tore his clothes and so and Barnabas and said, well, you guys, we're just men like you. And they began to preach Christ. They worship through a religious system, but it did not reveal God or provide the personal knowledge of God. People always say, well, at least he's religious. It's worse. Never forget this. Religion is a step away from God. It's not a step towards God. Religion is a step away from God. It corrupts the image of God and the revelation of God to man's imagination. It goes away from God. Notice, secondly, the Galatians served those who were by nature, not God's. Now, notice the word serve. It means to be a slave to in the context of scribing supernatural power that can work for or against you. Because remember that no one worships in a void. When you open yourself up, you open yourself up to somebody, something. Either the spirit of God or the spirit of Satan. We live in a spiritual reality, people. And notice also the Galatians were turning from God. They had been set free from ignorance of idols, but now wanted to return again to weak and beggarly elements. He says there in verse 9. There you have the word again, elements. The same one as in verse 3. The basic principles, the ABCs. The rituals and works of the law were being put on the same level by Paul as those practiced by pagans prior to knowing God. Why? Because they were as useless to bring man into justification Christ having had come. So the law was legitimate as long as Christ had not come. But now that Christ had come, the law was useless as well as paganism. Didn't serve any purpose. That's very important to understand. Notice thirdly, at the end of verse 9 and 10, the Galatians were choosing bondage. To which you desire again to be in bondage, you observe days, months, and seasons, and years. They thought to be progressing, but instead were regressing. They had served those which by nature were not gods, he already said in verse 8. But now they wanted to be in bondage to those things that were given to lead men to God. The observance of days meant Sabbath days, feast days. The observance of month, the new moons, Passover, Passover. Pentecost, tabernacle. The observance of years meant the sabbatic every seven years and then the jubilee of 50 years, the release. The word observe means to stand besides and to watch carefully and scrupulously. The word was used of Jesus to see whether he would heal the man on the Sabbath day in Luke 6, 7. 
They're into it, man. Now, sometimes this happens with people who get into the whole Judaistic aspect of it. And they start saying, oh, yes, you know, the mission of the Talmud, and then you have this, the Gemara, and the other. And they, you know, they get into the whole Jewishness of it, and they leave their Christianity behind. Know about it, fine, but move on in Christ. But they leave Christian churches, and they go into Jewish fellowships, which are born again, and they exalt that over Christianity, and they're always focusing on the Jewishness of things. Listen, no Jew, no Gentile, no Scythian, no barbarian, no male, no female, but all in Christ. Notice lastly in verse 11, the Galatians were in danger. Don't forget this. If you don't remember anything, you remember this before you leave. The Galatians were in danger. I am afraid for you lest I have labored for you in vain. Paul expresses his concern and fearful distress for them. They had deviated from total dependency upon Christ. And so Paul expresses his fear clearly. Lest he had labor for them in vain. They had ignored the labor of Paul over them. Again, as parents, can we identify? The children do not know the work, the sacrifice, all that has gone before. And sometimes because of that, they are prone to say and to do and to act and to have attitudes that really are very unappreciative because they're children. But when they act like that and they're adults, then we don't tolerate it, do we? The word labor means to the point of exhaustion. It takes a lot of hard work to be a father and a mother. It takes a lot of hard work to be a spiritual father and mother. This was Paul's heart. Did he love them any less? Absolutely not, or he wouldn't be warning them. High atop the United States Capitol Dome in Washington stands a statue of the stately Freedom Lady. Almost 20 feet high, she stands. The sculpture Freedom Lady was brought from Rome during a fierce storm, and the captain ordered some cargo to be thrown overboard. That was how severe the storm was. The sailors wanted to include the heavy statue, but the captain refused, shouting above the wind, No! Never! We'll flounder before we throw freedom away. Hmm. Wish to God Christians would cry out like that for their freedom. Nice, sweet, wiggly little thing comes by. No, never. I will not throw freedom away. Nice, handsome young man comes by. No, never will I be swept off my feet. I'm grounded in Christ. Hmm. Be careful. What are you allowing to turn you back into bondage? Be real careful. The regression of an heir of grace is to law is inferior. Always. And so Paul the apostle has revealed these, uh, these truths through the difference between the heir of law and the heir of grace. The position of an heir under law was inferior, and it still is. The position of an heir under grace is superior, and still is. And the regression of an heir of grace to law was inferior, and still is. Nothing has changed. It's still applicable for us today. May God give us wisdom. 
and live for freedom. Pastor Xavier Reese and the choice of freedom over bondage. And you can pick up a copy of today's lesson, Sons of Freedom or Slaves of Bondage, for only $4. We can send it your way on CD, which will include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. Now, once again, the title to ask for is Sons of Freedom or Slaves of Bondage, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and mention the call letters of this station in your correspondence. This helps us track the impact of this outreach in your area. What happens when you substitute sin for grace? That's coming up on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com